Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Hafsa and welcome to the My Pretty Soul podcast where I get to talk about that which gives you peace of mind, keeps you looking pretty and the things that make us all sing with incredible women that inspire me. Can you believe that it's already November? The year has definitely dragged but at the same time it feels like it was just March not long ago and it's very strange. With that said we've now hit my birth month and considering the year that we've had I'm probably going to spend my birthday doing a lot of reflecting. The fact that I'm going to turn 29 the last year of my 20s as well as November being a month that signals the end of the year being very close it'll definitely be a time to reflect on the year I've had as well as what I want for myself going forward. That's why I'm so excited for today's guest, Vicky Moore, a certified professional coach who works to help people overcome the obstacles that are prohibiting them from creating the life that they want, specifically relating to career change, major relocation, or achieving an ambitious goal. For me, one thing I'm definitely going to be changing is my day-to-day routine in light of the days getting shorter and the nights being longer, which can definitely have a toll on your mental health. So I'm definitely planning on taking supplements like vitamin D, magnesium, and maca, which I do already, but I'm going to be quite conscious about taking them daily now and I'll definitely be going out more often to get some needed vitamin d from the sun I'll be increasing my workouts making myself comforting foods with warming herbs spices and seasonal ingredients so think stews soups and hot drinks I've been making a drink lately with oat milk cinnamon cacao butter vanilla and a medicinal mushroom blend of chaga reishi shiitake lion's mane and more it tastes heavenly as for beauty the cold weather is sure to have an impact on our skin so I've been keeping an eye out for products with hydrating and moisturizing ingredients like hyaluronic acid and b5 i personally love to mist my face with a toner or even just water and then to massage rosehip oil using a gua sha just to lock in that moisture and i do look like an oil slick after but it's definitely worth it i kind of look like a more mature version of how i used to look when my mum would slather
bother my face with Vaseline before she'd send me off to school in the winter. I'm sure a couple of you guys listening will definitely relate. So finally on to soul, I thought I'd give you a bit of a journal prompt or simply a question to reflect on. What makes your soul sing? For me, it's being by the water, seeing my family happy and healthy, how I feel after a workout, seeing my loved ones eat a meal I've prepared, my kitten sleeping, and so many other things. Once you reflect on this question, I'd love for you to recreate those moments as much as possible. Considering the sheer sadness that the world is experiencing at the moment, we could all do with as many happy moments as we can get. Welcome to the show, Vicky. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing very well today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to to be talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you. When I was presented with the opportunity to speak to you today, I was absolutely up for it. Right now in 2020, everyone is going through so much change. There's a lot of upheaval going on. Some people had one idea of what their life would be like in January. And now in September, at the time of interviewing you, it's a completely different story. So it's great to have you on. And I'm just really keen to talk to you about change and your career and your coaching story and and everything, really. You ultimately help people overcome the obstacles that prevent them from creating the life that they want, specifically when it pertains to huge changes like for example a career change which i'm assuming many people are going through at the moment in 2020 life changes in general whether it's a big move or a huge goal that someone might have so could you tell me a bit about that and tell me what that entails yeah so i know coaching is is a very broad term so it's it's you know when people hear the term coaching they have trouble narrowing it down to what exactly does does that mean Uh, And that's uh, one reason that I explain it the way that I do, that I'm really focused on big life changes because, um, you know, we all have lots of changes in our lives, you know, every day or can have lots of changes in our lives every day, but they're usually small changes that we're, we're better able to manage. You know, we want to lose a couple of pounds or we want to improve our health or we want to... Uh, learn a new language or those kinds of things. And those kinds of things people are, you know, usually able to navigate without too many obstacles. They, they know what to do and how to do it. And then it's just a matter of creating the right habits. But when we have really big changes that we're faced with, whether it's changing careers or starting a business and becoming an entrepreneur or moving abroad, moving to a new location, we we i notice so many people get really overwhelmed and they get they get really stuck so they're they're unhappy in their current situation they know they want to change something or they have to change something like you just said this year we're all in the midst of a lot of unexpected change that we really had no way of knowing was going to be thrust upon us right now yes and um yeah, and it's a, it's a difficult place to be. It, it can be very, very overwhelming. And, and people get very stuck about how to, how to move out of that and how to take the first step toward creating the life that they want, or at least getting closer to the life that they want, right? I mean, there's, you know, it, it's a step-by-step process, but until you take the first step, or have someone, you know, guiding you on what that first step might be, it can just feel really, yeah, exhausting. Uh, you know, you just feel like you're spinning in circles and never accomplishing anything. And it, it drains your energy, it drains your mental energy, your physical energy. And, and at some point, you just feel lost. And that's uh, even before um, the pandemic uh, this year, a lot of the people I was talking to 
had that sense of just spinning in circles and never making any progress. And that's what really inspired me to focus on the kind of coaching that I focus on because um, there is a way out of that. <laughs> and, and I'm really, I'm so passionate. I see so often people that have so much capability and so much unique talents and gifts that they could be offering to the world if they could only, you know, find a way, find the path for themselves to be able to offer their unique talents and gifts. And so that's where my passion comes from is really helping people put out into the world what they're perfectly capable of, of doing. And they just don't know it yet. <laughs> so you're kind of the catalyst, I guess, of being able to realize what people want in their lives. Catalyst and guide, um, because uh, there's one thing is the catalyst. One thing is getting the clarity on what really do you want for your life. Um, and I'll, I'll pause on that for a minute because the clarity is certainly the most important step. And I think we, we lose clarity because we get so caught up in the day-to-day -day things that we need to get done. We get so caught up in checking boxes and doing all the things that we think we should do, all the goals that we think we should have. You know, we should get promoted at work. We should have a better career. We should, you know, I don't even know what all the, what all the shoulds are, but we would like, there's all this pressure coming from lots of other places other than inside of ourselves about what our life should look like, especially now, you know, we have access to so much through social media, but one of the problems with having access to so much through social media is you compare yourself constantly to the entire world. And, and then you look at the entire world and go, oh, well, maybe I should be doing that, or maybe I should be doing that, or maybe I should be doing that. And we get caught up in what we think we're supposed to be doing, what we think our goals are supposed to be. We never slow down long enough to really think about, but what do I actually want? Yeah, I a thousand percent agree. I, I feel like for me, I'm very much like a lot of people in the sense that you go with what your family tell you to do. So for example, or society in general. So you're raised to live up to a certain standard. Your parents say, this is what we aspire for you. This is what we would like you to achieve. This is what we want for you in life. We want you to have this job or this type of job, or we want you to study here. We want you to do this and we want you to do that. And they have very high expectations for you. And then on top of that, you also have the expectations of your wider community, the expectations of society in general, social media, you're being bombarded with messages about this is what success looks like. And if you don't have this type of success in your life, or if your house doesn't look like this, or if you don't have a partner by a certain age, then you're a failure. And I think a lot of us live on this kind of autopilot mode. And what the pandemic did, lockdown did for myself, and I think a lot of other people is that you're just kind of faced with yourself. And I know a lot of people who'd lost their jobs or they were just basically having to face reality and just to sit down with themselves and realize that, okay, I need to think about the course of my life after the pandemic. I don't even think I should even use the word after the pandemic because I think the pandemic has changed the world completely. And a lot of people are reflecting and they're thinking about, is banking really what I want to do? What if I really like cooking and I want to pursue that as a career? Or what if I don't want to do XYZ job and I want to pursue this instead? And I think it made a lot of people just sit down and really think about what it is they really want out of life. And I'm assuming that when people have those kind of epiphanies, that's when they approach you and, 
and from there you're their guide to to actually enacting that change exactly and i think you make a very good point i think if there is you know one tiny little silver lining in um what we've all gone through this year with the pandemic is that it has given us the space or forced us to take the space to pause and reflect and yeah as you as you mentioned a lot of people are really you know sort of looking more closely at what do i really want and resetting priorities and and what really is important and like you said we have expectations from so many different aspects of our lives parents and teachers and bosses and you know our community and you know we get to a certain stage where we you know do have that time to reflect and go oh well this is not actually what I wanted to be doing. <laughs> you know, you, you just gave a perfect example, you know, from banking to, to cooking, right? That's a, that's a big change, but yeah. certainly it's possible. And where I come in is, is sort of the guide is when somebody has that realization, I have a good job in banking, but I've decided that's not really fulfilling for me. It's not really making me happy. And it's actually causing a lot of stress. And I would like to pursue my dream of cooking and, and generating income with cooking, whether that's being a professional chef or opening a catering business or, you know, any number of things that you could do with, with cooking as a career. But again, there's so many like, well, wait, how do I do that? I've spent my whole life preparing for this corporate career and banking. Now what? <laughs> and, and, and that's where, that's where people would, really, would, would approach me is to figure out the now what? How do I make yeah. the first step? And what does the first step look like? It depends on the person, of course. I mean, it's all individual. So it depends on where they are with their anxiety about that first step. Because a lot of people come to me knowing what they want, but feeling like they can't have it. Yes. That's, that's not realistic. So, so in that case, the first step is to really look at those reasons why they think they can't have it. What are their perceived obstacles that are in, in the way of that goal? And it's interesting because we make a lot of assumptions. Or we have a lot of cognitive biases. Our brain is afraid of uncertainty. It's designed to protect us, you know, keep us safe. Yeah. And so things that, things that are uncertain, we you know, immediately have this uh, flight or fight reaction to. And we, we trick ourselves into thinking that there are obstacles that are manageable, that we have the skills and the capability to handle, to find a way around or to find a way through. Um, and so really the first step is looking at those perceived obstacles. You know, yeah. What is it that's in the way? Is it really in the way? You know, first of all, is it, is it really an obstacle? You know, I mean, the, the obstacles that people use most often, you know, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I need more education. I have a family and I can't do that because I, you know, I have to earn enough money to support my family and this is not a possibility for me. And so you look at those things, you know, time, money, ability are the broad ones that people have in their heads. And, but then if you break it down, okay, ability, okay, you, you don't have the professional cooking certification. What would it take to get that? Could you take classes in the evening? Could you, you know, uh, go and do an apprenticeship somewhere for one week a month? Or, you know, what are the ways that you could address that obstacle instead of just being very black and white about there's this thing that's in my way, 
and therefore I'm going to stop here. My favorite way of explaining that is think about something simple like driving to work in the morning. Well, when we when we used to drive to work, you know, you get in your car in the morning and and you start driving to work, and the normal road that you take is under construction and the road is closed. Yeah, you you don't stop at the construction barrier and sit in your car and wait for the construction to be finished. You turn the car around and you find a different way to work. But for some reason, we don't make it that simple when we have these these larger goals in our life. There's an obstacle. There's a way around it. But for some reason, we just look at the obstacle and don't search for the way around it. I love that analogy. I really do. And I like that instead of making things seem so difficult, I mean, a major life change is naturally going to have its challenges, but you make it sound as if it's something that can be a challenge. However, we can break it down bit by bit and we can make it simple as opposed to this huge mountain that we need to climb. Can we just climb that mountain bit by bit by bit? And I think that's amazing because when you have something as big a change of, for example, this hypothetical person who's going from banking to cooking, you create options, like you said, how, what kind of career options do you have available to you in cooking, for example, and giving them different options, giving, giving them simplified solutions to the wider um, change that they have in mind. When it comes to these significant life changes, is there an anxiety that usually happens, for example, with your clients? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it, it, happens, it happens at two stages. It happens before they actually make the decision, before they're actually committed to the decision. And then it happens again after they've made the decision. So there's double anxiety, <laughs> uh, which is, which is um, you know, really interesting because you, you use the same strategies for, for overcoming that really before they make the decision. So the leap from banking to cooking, the way to do that is to do the opposite of what we are sort of led to believe we should do. There's so much talk about the power of positive thinking and how you need to focus on the goal and focus on the positive outcome. But actually the way to get over that anxiety is to focus on the negative, to ask yourself, What's the worst possible thing that could happen? Worst case scenario. Like I'm, I'm afraid of quitting my corporate job and starting a cooking business. If I were to do that, what's the absolute worst case scenario? And it's a technique that's called framing because what we do is we overestimate the risk and the uncertainty and we underestimate our ability to succeed. We underestimate our own capability to handle the uncertainty. And so by doing this worst case scenario exercise and putting it basically in context, we make the uncertainty more certain. We have a picture of it in our head. So now worst case scenario, I've got this great corporate banking job. If I quit my job, I start my cooking business. Worst case scenario, I don't have any clients. I don't make any money and I lose you know, six months savings that I invested in this business. Okay, then what? Well, then I guess I go back and get a job to start earning money again. Okay, if that's the worst that could happen, you lose six months savings, six months of your career, and at the end of the day, you've pursued your dream and it didn't work out and you have to go back to the same type of job you already have. Is that worth the risk? And when you put it in that context of, hmm, I could pursue my dream and if it doesn't work out, then really I'm not in any worse place than I started off. <laughs> depending on how much, you know, six months salary is. Even if the worst case scenario is, is bad, 
when people are able to actually picture it and then ask those questions about it, okay, how bad is that really? How likely is that to happen? And could I recover from it? Those three questions really help people assess do I want to take this chance or not? Is it, yeah. is it worth it to me? And it's interesting that you frame it like this. For me, it seems like a, a question of probability, basically. If I'm willing to put in six months of savings into something that has a risk of not actually reaping those rewards from the savings that I've put in and the effort and the time and the other investments, it might not work out. But on the other hand, I can go back to work and go to a salary job and make that money elsewhere. And I think that kind of helps to lessen the anxiety there. I think with a lot of people that have anxiety, worried about so many hypothetical situations that, oh my goodness, this is what could happen. This is what could go wrong. Basically, instead of losing it based on a hypothetical situation and not actually creating a solution for yourself in your mind by actually framing it the way you have and coming up with potential solutions based on the outcome like the worst possible outcome, you kind of like kind of lessen the anxiety there, which is great. And I guess with going to a coach, that in and of itself is is wonderful. Being able to speak to a coach who helps you with those things, who helps you to be able to have that perspective. Because for someone like myself who's so risk averse, and I'm so risk averse because of the anxiousness that I have of potential failures losing money, losing time, things might not work out, no one might be inter- no one will be interested in my idea. But actually you're saying no, let's frame it in this way. Yes, let's actually look at the worst possible outcome. But how do we actually solve it? So I'm just wondering on that note, when it comes to the worst possible outcomes and having framed them, are people usually a lot more receptive after that? What people usually realize uh, when we go through that exercise, they usually realize that the worst case is not as bad as they imagined it to be. <laughs> like, like you said, people spend a lot of time worrying about things that might not ever happen, right? They might happen, but when you really sit down and think about it, okay, really, in the great scheme of things, what is the probability of that, right? Okay, I'm really, really worried about it. I'm creating a lot of stress, but it's probably not very likely that that's going to be one of the outcomes. So just having that having that sort of perspective on something that was a huge source of stress and anxiety, having the realization that it's probably not as likely to happen as I thought it might. And then having that second step, which is, okay, and what could I do to either reduce the risk of that happening, or what can I do to increase my chance of success in this particular area. And so you balance both sides of the equation. I call it return on risk. What am I willing to risk? And what is my likely return? Uh, it helps people to see that what they're risking is not as, is not as big as they thought it was. And their possible returns are greater than they imagined that they would be. So it adjusts that formula into something more manageable and yes and then that reduces the anxiety because it makes it real instead of imagined at that point yes when it comes to for example someone going through a change in their life like you said the return on risk are these people usually approaching you are they more risk averse are they not risk averse they tend to be risk averse although not completely risk averse because they wouldn't be considering this, you know, when they are proactively seeking a change rather than when it's been imposed upon them, they're at least 
considering the risk, right? So they are risk averse, but they are at least considering it. And they usually approach me when they've tried a few things on their own and they're feeling completely stuck. They just can't find a way forward or they're, they're analyzing the possible change and don't see the path forward. That's, that's when they, they usually approach me. So yeah, generally risk averse and generally, yeah, what, I want you to play it safe. Yeah, right. The 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 play it safe uh, team wins in those <laughs> sorts of situations. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes play it safe is the right strategy. So I don't want to I don't want to imply that when you do this return on risk analysis, it doesn't always result in yes, take the risk. Sometimes it results in now is not the right time to take the risk, and, and that's okay too, right? Sometimes sometimes you need to play it safe for. For personal reasons, for professional reasons, for family reasons, there are all sorts of reasons that you might not want to take a risk at that particular point. Yeah. And when it does come to the person that wants to actually take the risk and is saying, okay, fine, I'm going to bite the bullet and actually realize this change and I want your help doing this. How do you work with people then? I go through a process that I call the create process. So it's a, it's a six-step process, and we've actually already talked about a few of the steps of the process. Yeah. So, you know, get clarity on what you want. Make sure it's aligned with your values and what you want, not what other people expect of you. So that is, that's the first step. The reality, you know, really what are the obstacles and how likely are those to stop you from achieving your goal? Uh, and that's the return on risk exercise that we just talked about evaluating the options. So then um, this is also a big brainstorming exercise. Okay, here's all the things that you know could go wrong. What are all the possibilities? What could you do about that? What sorts of ways could you turn this dream into a reality? And that's a really fun exercise. It's exactly the opposite of the worst case scenario. It's so much fun to people for people to just say, if I could do anything, what would I do? What are all my options? Yeah, I bet. And just, you know, getting all of those up on the wall and looking at the, okay, you know, there are 18 different ways I could approach this. And then uh, we narrow down the options. We pick the options that are most, that feel most authentic for the person trying to make the change. And also the ones that are most like that they're most likely to be able to succeed at given their talents and given the risk involved. So they, you know, again, weighing those, okay, how much would I have to risk? And what's my chance of success? Which are the best options to move forward with? And then the next step is to take action. And this is that second phase where, um, you know, where anxiety comes in, where a lot of worry and anxiety comes in. People make the decision, they take action, they pull the trigger, they quit their day job. And for the first couple of days, there's a sense of relief and excitement and I'm doing it and I'm pursuing my goals and life is fabulous. And then at some point, the what the heck have I just done (laughs) sets in like, oh, what do I do? Um, And that's always, um, that's always an interesting one because it happens almost consistently. It doesn't matter how excited the person is about the change, how committed they are to it. At some point, the, I don't know what I've just done. What was I thinking? Um, But then it just goes back to, you know, repeating those same exercises and, and looking at, okay, what step do you want to take? Small bite-sized steps. What can you do to move you one step closer towards your goal? And this is the taking action is, that's a really important phase because 
because it is over it is overwhelming and people don't feel ready you know and that's that's one of the biggest challenges i don't feel ready i need more education i need more savings i need more of this i need more of that and the truth is you will never feel ready wow. <laughs> just, wow. just does, you just will never feel ready at some point you just have to start taking little steps towards your goal. Uh, and it goes back to the driving to work example, right? So, you know, your, your goal is to get to a meeting across town or to your office. And you, you get in the car, you get ready to go, you put the destination in the navigation, and then you sit in the car and look at the navigation and worry about what if I have a flat tire? Or what if there's traffic? What if there's uh, construction? What if I run out of gas? What if... It, and you can sit in the driveway all day long staring at the navigation screen, but until you put your foot on the gas and go, you never move any closer to your destination. So at some point, you just have to put your foot on the gas and go. <laughs> and actually do it. And actually do it. And that's, and, but it is really critical little steps, little steps that feel achievable, not the big step, not the, you know, I'm going to run a marathon. It's I'm going to get up this morning and I'm going to run three kilometers, right? And then I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to run three kilometers. And then I'm going to get up next morning and I might run four kilometers. And then eventually those steps add up to, I'm going to run a marathon. But if you wake up and go, I'm going to run a marathon, it's just too, it's too overwhelming. <laughs> no. Exactly. And it kind of goes back to the mountain, the mountain analogy that I explained earlier that I'm going to run a marathon goodness me, that sounds incredibly intimidating. I don't know where on earth I would even begin. But like you said, if you break it down into small, manageable chunks, I'm going to run a 3k, then I'm going to try running for 5k, then I can try a 10k, then you can just do it bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. And I'm wondering then in that case, when it does come to someone who is, for example, having this huge mammoth task, for example, um, I want to run a business. I want to set up a cosmetics company or something like that, or I want to open up a salon. When it comes to something as big as that, are you open to working with people more on a long-term basis or is your work more short-term? Because are you, I'm interested to know actually how your, how your approach is with someone. Are you working with them more on the long-term guiding basis or like a short-term quick burst of inspiration? So so the answer is I work with people more on a long-term basis because these are big goals and, and they usually require some support in, you know, for a longer term plan. Um, and actually you just brought up a perfect example. So I'll get to the last step of the way we work together, which will actually explain what it looks like to work with me. So as you're taking action step-by-step step to achieve a goal, especially if it's something like, you know, opening a salon or, or starting a cosmetics company or something like that, where it is a really big goal that has a lot of little steps that need to come together. One of the really important things to do is to get a team. And when I say get a team, I don't mean hire people. I don't mean hire a web designer and hire a social media expert. I mean, start telling people what you're doing why it's important to you and find people to support you because the chances, no matter what it is your goal is, somebody else has done something similar to that. Yeah. They've made mistakes. They've also figured it out and they've had successes. And just realizing you're not in it alone, realizing that there are other people that have done this and have gone through this struggle and people are so willing to help. 
if you just announce to the world that this is what I'm doing and why, it's, it's so amazing. I'm just constantly in awe of how generous people are with their time and their expertise and connections or all kinds of things to, to help um, support that. And so one of the things that I never endeavor to do when I work with people is to create a community and help them build that team. So if, you know, entrepreneurs, for example, is, is a group of people that I, that I work with regularly. And so I try to connect small groups of people that, you know, do a once a week uh, or once a month Q&A where they can just share their challenges and share their successes and ask questions about, do you know anybody that does this? Or have you had this kind of problem? What would you do in this case? So, and this is a long-term vision of mine um, because I'm also in the middle of a big change this year. I am, I am reinventing my business this year. So this community aspect of it is, is something that I haven't built yet, but that I'm in the process. Um, so I'll go back and answer your question now about how, you know, when somebody works with me, what does that look like? It always starts off with a sort of informational coaching session. Uh, and that's usually an hour and uh, that's completely free of charge without any commitment. And that's for them to get to know me and my style to find out if my style works for them and if they think that I can be helpful in achieving their goal. Because coaching is a really, really personal thing. And not every coach is well suited to every individual style. It's, it's a little bit like, like dating. You have to, you have to find the right coach that matches your style. Um, So there's always, so I always offer that, that introduction, um, which is actually a coaching session. There are people that walk away from that introduction, getting enough clarity to be able to move forward with, with the next step. Then if, you know, we're both agreed, uh, you know, we think it will be helpful and the style is a good match. Then I have a couple of different approaches that I, that I work with people, again, all customized based on the individual, but it would generally be a six month coaching program. Uh, And we would, we would likely meet for either an hour a week or an hour every two weeks, depending on how much support that they feel that they need during that six months. And the reason six months is because it actually perfectly matches to the six phases of the process. We basically spend two to three sessions on each step of the of the process. Then at that point, they're either they've created enough community and they've created enough momentum that they're ready to tackle the world and take it on their own. Or I have these sort of sustainment coaching where it's, they can check in with me when they need on a one-off basis, when they feel that they're stuck on something in particular, or when they need support around something in particular, or they just need someone to ask tough questions to get them past an obstacle, uh, then that's sort of an on-demand when you need it type of coaching. And you mentioned that you yourself are going through a change. I'm really curious about your career and how you came to be a professional coach because you have a huge amount of experience under your belt. So what was that like working in the jobs that you had prior to actually becoming a coach? And then what was it that led you to become a coach? Yeah, certainly. So my corporate background is in training. Uh, So in a way, it's very coaching related. But I spent almost my entire corporate career in uh, training for the automotive industry. So developing sales training, communication skills, product training, all types of soft skills training 
that help people improve their performance. Yeah. And during the course of, you know, all of those years working with a variety of different clients on a variety of different, we did um, executive leadership programs to improve leadership skills, customer satisfaction, how to improve customer satisfaction and improve the customer experience. And all of this work that I did had two impacts. It gave me a lot of background in behavioral psychology and how that applies to the way we make decisions and the sort of biases we have in making decisions. <laughs> so that was just always really fascinating for me. And then uh, it also helped me to see what an impact it can have for people when they get that guidance on overcoming some block that they've had in their life. You know, whether it's a uh, leadership style or whether it's, you know, communicating more clearly or being more persuasive or seeing the change that happened for people through some of those kinds of training interventions, if you call them, it was really empowering for me. I was like, you know, this is fabulous, but it's not impacting, in my opinion, it wasn't impacting the right people. I wanted to help people that were sort of out on their own, trying to figure it out, have this same access to this sort of coaching and consulting and training that corporate CEOs had. That was the transition for me. I ran my own training agency in Los Angeles for 10 years. And during that time, the coaching uh, of other entrepreneurs uh, became really interesting to me because it was painful, to be quite honest, to start my own business with no coaching. I didn't have anyone to coach me as I started my own business. I was just figuring it out as I went along. And, and I made some really expensive mistakes. And I thought, you know, this is not that hard if... I had just been able to ask someone to guide me through the process. This would have been so much faster and easier and less painful. So that inspired me to pursue coaching while I was running my own business. I went through a coaching program, fabulous coaching program in Los Angeles and got my professional certification in 2014. Uh, so that's where the inspiration came from. But then I moved to Europe. That was my big goal and dream. That was my big life change. I moved to Europe in 2015 uh, and went back into the corporate world just because that was the way to get permission to stay in Europe. <laughs> so, uh, so I've been working. Uh, I've been working again in corporate training uh, since 2015, and it was only last year. It was at the end of last year that I really felt drawn to going back to pursuing the coaching business, to going back to what I feel is more personal and more powerful way to really help people achieve their goals. And so I resigned from my corporate job at the end of last year and relaunched my coaching business at the beginning of 2020, which as we've already talked about is a fabulous time to relaunch a business. <laughs> it's an amazing time. It's, there has been no time better than this. <laughs> Uh, well, it is actually, and I am, I, I'm an eternal optimist. And so that is one of the things is I see opportunity in, in everything. I love I'm that. A silver lining kinds of kind of person. And while it is absolutely a very, very challenging time for everyone in almost every industry, it, it also is a really great opportunity to take a different approach to things in many areas. Uh, and I see this as sort of it really the timing is, is good to, if I was ever going to take this chance, you know, now is the time to, to take it because there is such a need for it. There are so many people struggling right now with how do I deal with this change that I didn't even know I was going to be making. With it being such an uncertain time, I'm very curious to know if you might have any 
insights or advice that the listeners could benefit from when it comes to being able to navigate the current climate right now? Because people have either lost their jobs or they're just not sure about what career they want or they have just completely had their, their whole lives turned upside down. People are working from home, having to work around that, children, childcare, even you're even hearing about people whose marriages have um, ultimately broken down because they're spending so much time together and then they realize that this isn't actually for me and I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And therefore, I just wanted to know, actually, do you have any advice or insights for anyone who is trying to navigate this current climate? Yeah, and I can only speak from, you know, my own personal experience and kind of what's helped me navigate this year. Absolutely most important is to take care of your health. And it's hard to do. We we tend to not focus on taking care of ourselves. We focus on taking care of everyone around us. But really, you, you can't take care of anyone else until you take care of yourself. And I think, you know, mental health, emotional health, physical health are all critically important right now. And we need to make it easy on ourselves to just have little things we can do to support those areas of our life. So it doesn't have to be a big commitment. Finding little ways to keep yourself grounded and and healthy. So, you know, listening to music that makes you happy, a five-minute meditation, a walk around the block for a little bit of fresh air and sunshine. I think that's the thing that's really important is to find small, easy things that you can do, even with children running around or with 18 Zoom calls a day. What can you do in the five-minute space in between that helps to maintain your mental and emotional health, it's absolutely critical. So that would be my first tip. My second tip is to focus on what you can control, right? We create so much stress and anxiety for ourselves. You mentioned it already, worrying about things that we actually can't do anything about. And especially now with, we're getting bombarded with news about, you know, the closures and the economy and the latest counts of infection rates and everything else. And most of that we really have no control over. So focusing on it and worrying about it only creates, it it just creates more stress that doesn't actually accomplish anything other than making us miserable. Um, There's a concept called um, circle of influence that we teach in corporate training. And you divide things into three circles, things that are completely within your control, things that you can influence, and things that are completely out of your control. So things that are completely within your control, what I'm going to eat today and which jobs I'm going to apply for if you're in the change where you're looking for a job, right? Okay, which jobs I'm going to apply for, I'm going to eat completely within my control. I can do something about those. Circle of influence is things that aren't completely within our control. They require other people, but we're able to influence them in some way. For example, negotiating a salary on a job, right? You're not completely in control of the salary. Somebody else is involved, but you have some influence over what that salary is. And then completely out of our control, you know, what they decide about which borders are open and closed. There's nothing I can do about that. So me worrying about that just drains my energy and it takes all of my energy away from the things that I could actually be making a difference doing. So instead of focusing on the areas where I have some ability to have an influence. If I use all my energy watching the news and being completely exhausted about all the things I can't do anything about, it it just pulls us down. And that's, that's really what it is. So that's my second 
tip is to really focus on what you can influence. And it applies to everything. It, you, know, you mentioned relationships that are now uh, in a very difficult place because of the, the stress of the situation on the relationships and what that's caused. And it, it even applies to that. What can you control? Is there a way to change the communication in the relationship? Is there a way to create a safety net for yourself where you can spend more time with friends because that lifts you up rather than pulls you down? You know, those, those sorts of things. That's honestly great advice coming from a coach like yourself as well. What I like about this discussion with you is that you just have a knack for speaking in a way that really helps people do away with their anxiousness. I'm someone who is quite anxious prone, anxiety prone, sorry, I'm quite anxiety prone. And when it comes to things like this, this time that we're going through, it's very easy to let it get you down. And just the way you talk, you just have a great way of being able to calm someone who is anxiety prone. So I think being a coach is, I think it's just your calling, really. Ultimately, you took the plunge, leaving your corporate career, going into coaching. I think it's just suited to you. Is this something that you always wanted to do? No, actually, it was a, a completely unexpected uh, <laughs> change for me. I always really enjoyed speaking and training, like I said, helping people. So I guess in a way, yeah, in a way, I was always very drawn to finding a way to help people be happy, really be happy and satisfied. And so whether that was through my corporate job or with my friends or whatever, that was just always something that felt very good for me. And this shift to coaching, um, it really actually it came from when I was seeking a coach for myself, when I was running my own business and I got stuck a couple of times, I mentioned I, I made some very expensive mistakes uh, and I started seeking coaches. And that was how I got introduced to the coaching certification program. One of my coaches recommended it. She said, this is something you might find really interesting. It might be something you're suited for. And so it was a recommendation of just network uh, that led me in that direction. And I'm really thrilled. Thank you that it, you know, that I seem well, well suited for it. That's, that's wonderful <laughs> to hear. But um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, the people that I've met in the process, I think has been so inspirational for me. And that's what really drives me forward is all the people that I get to associate with uh, coaches in, in other areas of life, right? Relationship coaches, health coaches, um, you know, I've met so many inspiring people uh, from around the world and sort of having that energy of while the world outside looks like it's falling apart, if we can all do one little thing to make one person's life a little bit better, then that's what we can do. And so, you know, that's sort of my inspiration is if I can, you know, if talking to one person today makes their life a little bit better then I've done my job. That's a great philosophy to go by. I love that. And people can soon read more of your wonderful insights and wisdom. I believe you're coming out with a book soon. I am coming out with a book soon. It, it feels very far away at this, uh, at this point. Summer of 2021, so summer of next year, uh, is the publishing, the targeted publishing date. Uh, and uh, I just passed, actually today, I just passed a major deadline. So I'm, I'm very excited. The first 20,000 words were due to the publisher today. Right. <laughs> so that's, a, that's a big milestone achieved. The title of the book is Life Beyond Should. 
how to create the life that you want. Wow, life beyond should. Wow. If you're allowed to give us a sneak peek, what is it that the book will cover? The book, in a very high-level overview, covers basically what we've been talking about, how the world that we've been raised in sets us up for failure because of expectations. You know, we, we basically are, are raised through these expectations that aren't our goals for ourselves, and yet we take them on. We, we adopt them and, and make them our own without realizing it. And so we're sort of set up from the beginning to be disappointed because we're, we're spending all of our time and energy fulfilling other people's goals rather than our own. Wow. And then how to recognize that, what to do when you, when you recognize that, because it creates a lot of anxiety. So the stories of the people I've been interviewing for the book are, are people that hit this pivotal moment in their life. You know, it used to be a midlife crisis. Now it's a quarter life crisis. We're getting oh, yeah. around to our crisis earlier in life now. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's still that pivotal point where you suddenly stop for a moment to reflect and realize that you've lost yourself somewhere along the way. Yeah. And then how to, how to cope with that, just that realization of now what? Um, strategies from a whole variety of different people of how to move from the now what to this is the life that I want to create for myself and here's how I'm going to create it. And I've made an intentional point in, in the interviews that I'm doing to interview people in all different ranges of, of industries and all different quote unquote levels of success. Because the life that you want for yourself doesn't mean that you're the CEO of a company necessarily, or that you're on your million dollar yacht uh, somewhere in the Mediterranean. The life that you want for yourself could very easily be I want more flexible work so that I can spend more time with my family and so that I can pursue my hobby of cooking. And if that's the life that you want for yourself, that's a success story. And so I'm trying very intentionally to create stories and strategies from people that have all different definitions of success. Absolutely. Is there a common thread that you find with um, the people that you're interviewing or just even in general? Yes, they have several things in common. Really, the, the thing that I find most in common with the people that have, have made this journey is they embrace being unique. They stop trying to be what everybody else thinks they should be. It comes naturally to some people and less naturally to others, but they finally let go of what other people expect of them. So they let go of, you know, I need to be a banker because that's the family business, or I need to have a million followers, or I need to be in Forbes 30 under 30 in order to be considered a success. They, they let go of other people's expectations and they really focus on what they want for themselves. I think that's probably the, the key. The other thing I find that they have in common is that they're really, really focused. Once they decide, once they have that, that clarity, they're really focused on achieving their goal and they don't let anything get in the way. And I think that's the part that a lot of people miss. And it's an important point. It's not easy. It's hard work. There is no magic formula <laughs> for this. It, 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 it takes time. It takes energy. It takes focus. It takes hard work. And um, I'm a little frustrated, to be quite honest, with all of the ways to hack your life for, you know, five minutes to overnight success. Ah, yeah. <laughs> because 
almost consistently everybody that I've talked to from people that have created multi-million dollar businesses to people who have created a small hometown bakery that serves their community and everything in between, what they all say consistently is it was a lot of work. <laughs> it, it never was. It fell into my lap. No. Because the media plays up the result, right? They play up the, the success story, which is great. It's nice to have those success stories, but they forget to cover all of the thousands of hours of effort or training or work or whatever it was that went into creating that success story. And so I do, that's one thing, go back to the, going back to the, is, is my style of coaching the right match for people? And that's the first thing that I'll get out of the way with people is if they're looking for the instant success formula, I'm not the right coach for them because that happens sometimes, but it's really rare. And usually when that happens, yeah, there, are other, there are other factors behind the scenes, right? It's almost never, you know, I, I woke up one morning, I followed this five-step formula and 30 days from now I was a multimillionaire. Well, Vicky, we've come to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your wisdom and sharing your insights. Just listening to you, it's so reassuring to me and I haven't even worked with you yet. So I feel like just listening to you today has just been so helpful and, I'm, and I am very confident that the listeners will be able to benefit immensely from what you've shared today. So thank you so much. Where can we find you on socials? So on Instagram, my Instagram handle is more, uh, my last name, to life, uh, more to life with periods in between the more and the to and the life. It's been wonderful just speaking with you today. I'm really grateful and I'm really glad that you're joining me this afternoon. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been really, really wonderful talking to you as well. I do hope that it's helpful for your listeners. It's, it's so much fun for me just to talk about these things. I, I get energized just by, you know, by hoping that, uh, that someone can benefit from it. It's been really fabulous talking to you. Oh, so I am incredible. I am very confident that someone's benefited. Just at, <laughs> the, uh, one person at the very least, and I highly doubt it's just one person. I'm sure that all of our listeners will have benefited today from your gems. Thank Thank you so much. Uh, thank you as well. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And uh, yeah, hope to be talking again soon. You too. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining and listening today. If you like the show, please leave a review and rate the podcast. Take care and stay safe. Bye. Yeah. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.